The Amazing People Podcast, Episode 3. Welcome to the Amazing People Podcast, where ordinary people from all walks of life do amazing things in life and business, with your host, Chip Dizard. Welcome to the Amazing People Podcast. I'm your host, Chip Dizard, and I have the pleasure of having my first female guest on the podcast, and none other than my good friend, Paula Sanders Morris. Welcome, Paula Morris. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I just I I just have to um, every every podcast I'm going to do. I affirm people. And I just want to uh, say I enjoy ourselves uh, when I was up in New York. I recently we visited you in New York and had a good time, even though we had some issues at the end of our trip. <laughs> I got to say it was a good time. I'm glad. Yeah, it was it was a good time. So, Paula, tell me a little bit about your background. And, and I, I've known you. Let me just give a little disclaimer here. I've only known you since uh, probably 2007, probably known you real well from 2010 on. But uh, give me a little bit about your background, uh, where you grew up, and, uh, and, and just uh, so people who don't know you at all. I'm originally from Birmingham, Alabama, so I'm a Southern Belle. I tell people all the time. Um, I matriculated through Bass Memorial Academy, um, and then for college, I went to Oakwood University, um, and then I ended up graduating from Stillman College, um, which is in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Uh, I majored in communications with a minor in journalism, and then later I went to get my master's in instructional technology, so uh, a little bit diverse background. I used to do um, tech support many years ago for Bell South. Um, here in Atlanta for about five or six years. So I have a little tech background, a little educational background, and um, that's a, a little bit about me. Okay. Now, when you were uh, getting your, your degree, I guess, you know, back, I shouldn't say back when, but, uh, you know, I know what we know now about technology and journalism, communication, it, it totally changed. Back then, it was like, okay, if you work for ABC, CBS, you, you've made it. Nowadays, it's just like if you... You do whatever, backpack journalism. You know, tell me how you've seen the field change since you've graduated uh, from from university. Well, originally when I graduated from um, Stillman, I worked went to work for Channel 13 in Birmingham as a um, writer. So I wrote the news for the newscast. Today, you know, everybody's a part of the news. You know, you have the, I think CNN has the Eye Reporter. Yep. Everybody has. Uh, are, are feeding into the news. That was not the case back in back when I graduated in '92. Um, for the most part, I wrote for the news. I actually wrote um, for the Tuscaloosa News um, an op-ed piece. Um, I usually also did something for the Tuscaloosa Magazine. So writing at that point was just magazine, uh, TV, and there was no internet. So life has changed so dramatically since you know when I graduated from college you know blogs and uh, like I said I reports all of this is much much better in terms of getting news out there quickly we, we didn't have that before if you didn't sit on the news you'd wait for the news the next morning <clears throat> that's true so, and, and whatever the news said it was correct absolutely you know there was no questioning it it just was so a lot has changed since I graduated in 1992 from college um, in terms of the way that we even get media as well as the news and how we feed into it and how it feeds into it. Now we have Twitter and Facebook. All of that feeds into the, the news frenzy. We didn't have that 20 years ago when I was in college. So a lot has changed. And 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 
a lot of our, a lot of maybe your colleagues, a lot of my colleagues, and as things have changed, we, you know, like times we have to adapt. And if you don't adapt, unfortunately, you get, you know, le- left behind. So have you seen, have you seen that? Some, some of your colleagues, some of your classmates get left behind? Well, many people that I work with at Channel 13, as, as I said, it was my first job. I worked for them for about eight or nine months. And um, I f- figured out I hated it. So I quit. But lots of people who work with me at that time have gone on to work for different organizations. Now, I know one of the guys that I work with um, at Channel 13, he does PR for one of the counties now. So some people have branched outside of the news and gotten into other forms of media. And I know one young lady, she um, has a media, multimedia company out of San Francisco now. So, you know, you have to reinvent yourself. And I think for the most part, when, you know, the economy went bad, people had to find backup ways of making income. So they chose other forms of income, uh, other jobs to get money. And I think that's, I don't think this industry was, you know, immune to that. I think a lot of people came out of um, journalism and went and got other jobs other places because you weren't selling newspapers anymore. That's true. Industry has really taken hard. Magazines have taken it hard. Um, so a lot of those people who worked for those magazines for years found themselves not having a job. Mm-hmm. And and reinventing yourself is, is is really key. And I know that's one of the things you have been been doing. And tell me about um, how you're reinventing yourself. Uh, I know that I met you in oh seven oh six oh seven when you came to Baltimore with a conference. Tell me about the conference that you were planning way before I met you. But and tell me the genesis behind uh, just planning a conference and and, and doing music. Um, I grew up in music. My mother sang and played piano. So me starting um, groups and choirs and being a part of that was not new to me. Um, But I'd gone to uh, a praise and worship conference that was held in Atlanta that was hosted by Gospel Today magazine. And I sat in the first meeting because I had uh, opted to volunteer. And I sat there and I said, why don't we have this for our church? Because it was a, a very good conference. They had people both in the industry, gospel industry, as well as in ministry. And they had, you know, regular people mixing with artists. And it was just a really great experience. And I couldn't understand why our church, who is known for music, didn't have a music conference. So I started calling around and trying to figure out you know, what exactly I could do. And so what I opted to do was to ask 300 of my friends that I went to Oakwood with, you know, what they thought about the idea of having a music conference and starting an organization. Because really what I did was I started an organization so that we could share information and ideas and music. And um, that's really how we got started. And then the conference kind of bred it, came out of that. And Paula, explain for people who who don't know. Um, I know we're Seventh Day Adventist, so tell me about the musical experience from Oakwood. People who have no clue about it, I know they may have seen uh, "Committed," the sing off, "Take Six. Talk about that just a little bit about the music background. Well, Oakwood has a huge um, music history. Most of the music that we um, hear in modern day acapella music has some connection to some sort of school. And Oakwood's no different in that respect. Um, we have a huge legacy of music um, that has come out of our church from the Alma Blackmans, from the Aeolians, um, from Committed Now, who, as you said, won the sing-off. The legacy in our church as Seven Dead Venice 
our music is unique to us. And I think most of us get that now. Um, there's not a time when I can walk into a room and hear a singer and know whether they're, they're Adventist or not, just by the hearing them. That's something that we uniquely have, and God has blessed us with that. Our church ha has a rich history of providing music, not only hymns, but um, R&B music as well as um, gospel. And so whether it be artists, whether it be, um, like you said, Take Six, whether it be Amber Bullock, who won Sunday's Best, we have a great history in our, in our community as having great music. Um, so our legacy in terms of music is solid. You can tell our music, and it's, it's a blessing to be able to have that, but also I think we take advantage of that sometimes. We don't really fully grasp how blessed we are to have that history. Um, our church over the years have, you know, we argue back and forth about music, but at the end of the day, we have taught music most of us have learned it from infancy. Um, most of us who learned it either in academy, with would be academy choir, with the Pine Forge Academy Choir, or Great Atlanta uh, Adventist Academy Choir. Those are rich ground fills for having grooming young musicians. And I think we have done a really good job of really providing a legacy for them. So I'm ex I'm real happy and excited to hear you know and committed one and Amber Bullock one because it only t it does what I already know we have the best music around mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and when you plan this conference or when it was just a no-brainer I guess for people to say hey yeah let's 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 get on board I mean how how was it rallying the troops I mean this is really was it done before in the denomination was it done I, I'm just I'm just ignorant the de denomination itself had not done one um, the North American Division, after I'd done my conference about three or four years, they came to me and said, hey, we'd like to partner with you in this worship conference, music and worship conference. So they came on board and helped us um, market the conference. And we really appreciated their um, sponsorship because that's what it was. Mm -hmm. And Paula, let me ask you this. You did this first conference out of friends budgets, a zero budget. Is that is that correct? How, how did you get? Okay. Okay, so you basically went out in faith. You said you've never planned. Have you planned a conference before prior to this? That no, I had not. Oh wow, okay. So I that, don't even know why I thought I could. <laughs> <laughs> so you never planned a conference, but you said you wanted to do one. You like music, and if it was up to you, if, you say if it's going to be, it's going to be up to me. Basically, you just took the bull by the horns and said you're going to do it in your home city where you're living in Atlanta. Correct. And this was in 2005 or six? That was 2004. Four. Okay. Four. And now tell me about the first conference. And, and when you first, you know, because it's always, you always remember your first. It's like your first child. Well, you know, well, you have twins. I had, but I had a one day workshop the year before in Atlanta. And then we had the conference the following year. So in 2003, we had a one day workshop. We had brought Roger Ryan, who was a producer, come down and talk. And that was held at Maranatha Church. And we had like two two or three workshops going at one time. So that was the first time of us doing that. So we kind of started out small first. And then because we saw we had a great response, then we said, okay, well now next year we'll do a conference. And that's how we started doing the conference. Um, the first year we had 120 people to attend, which in the grand scheme of things is not a lot of people. But this was the first time anybody in our church had ever done it. And... It was all very new to a lot of people. Um, we had about 500 people who came to the general events, but for those people who paid, it was like 120, 130 people. 
So that was the first year. And um, we had Lamar Campbell, who was our special guest, and Dewan Starling. And then we had a mass choir. And Damian Chandler led our mass choir that year. And um, really great experience for me. I learned a whole lot. Financially, it was the hardest thing I ever did. Wow. And you did this just all on faith. You've never planned a conference, but you wanted to do it. 120 people showed up. Were you nervous that maybe two people would show? I guess that's my thing. When I, I planned a, a little web conference, I remember, but it was only, it was not even 120 people. I If 20 people showed up, I was a great. We had like 15, I think. But, you know, you have a major conference. I mean, how, I mean, how could you even sleep at night? <laughs> oh, who said I slept? Okay. okay. Uh, the first year, it was very, like I said, what we try to do is get the buy-in from a lot of the churches to send their people. And a lot of churches did send their people. So it was regionally um, very well done. And I think people really enjoyed the experience so much so that they were like, we need to do it again. We need to do it again. And I was tired after the first year. I was like, I'm done. You know, I've done this. I'm through. I'm out. And they were like, no, no, no. You have to do it again. So I did it seven more times after that. Wow. 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 Okay. So this is getting really interesting, but we don't want to go over our time. So we're going to go into a part two. So you have to listen to part two and we're going to continue with Paula uh, next week when you hear this part two of this podcast, uh, because I, I, I trust, I know she's going to give us some more nuggets and some great stuff. So Paula, thanks a lot. And we're going to uh, sign off for today's podcast and you'll see here the rest of this next week.